Hello, and welcome to The Breathwork Club, a podcast to help you connect with your breathing. My name is Brian Malone, and thank you very much for joining. If you're a new listener, or you are new to the practice of breathwork, I would recommend going back to listen to some of the earlier episodes of the podcast, which cover some of the foundational concepts and techniques of the practice. If you've listened before, welcome back. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Nick Heath, also known as the Breathing Diabetic. Nick has type 1 diabetes, and he promotes the usefulness of breathing practices to help people manage with these types of conditions. He's a really amazing Instagram page and a weekly newsletter, both of which are linked to in the show notes, through which he shares his knowledge about different breathing techniques, links to many interesting articles and books, and helps people develop their understanding of breathwork. We spoke a bit about how Nick found breathwork and its benefits for diabetics. We discussed Nick's experience with the Wim Hof method and the oxygen advantage and the benefits around taking a flexible approach to a breathing practice. I am a huge fan of Nick's and I really loved getting the chance to pick his brain on these topics. With all due respect to all of the amazing previous guests I've been lucky to talk to, the last 20 minutes or so of this chat where Nick speaks about breathing as the compound interest of health and wellness is my favorite bit of conversation I've had on this podcast. I'm also going to link in the show notes to two breathwork apps Nick mentions in this episode, as well as to the Human Health and Performance Institute, an awesome foundation that Nick has done some work with. If you haven't already, sign up for Nick's weekly newsletter and follow him on Instagram. Here's my chat with Nick. I hope you enjoy listening. So first of all, Nick, the breathing diabetic, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. And I first want to begin by saying that I'm, I wouldn't say nervous, but I, I'm, this is probably the most excited I've been for a conversation on this podcast because I genuinely just really, really admire um, your work. I think your Instagram page is one of the most informative and accessible out there. Your weekly mail out, like I genuinely look forward to that each week because it always just contains amazing little nuggets of wisdom, amazing uh, resources to kind of look at things further. And um, so I really think that what you do is just incredible. So thank you so much for for taking the time to come on. Amazing. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, the yeah, that means a lot to me, and I, I would truly appreciate that. And I love putting together the, the newsletter. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I spend all week on it, so I appreciate that you enjoy reading it. It makes it all worth it, so thank you. No problem at all. So I thought a nice way to begin would be, if you don't mind, just letting us know a little bit about your background. So, you know, in as much or as little detail as you'd like, but, you know, maybe where you come from, how you stumbled upon or came across the the breathing practices and how your practice has maybe developed over over the years. Sure, yeah. So um, I guess the breathing diabetic, you know, it, it's born from I'm a type one diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was 11 years old. So typical kid just kind of didn't care about my diabetes. Fast forward to around age 25, 
I read a book that, you know, gave me power. It said, Oh, look, if you eat differently, if you exercise, all these things can help you control your blood sugars better. And as silly as that sounds, I hadn't really thought of it before. I just kind of thought I have diabetes, my blood sugars go crazy. I deal with it how I can, and I just live my life. And this gave me some, some power and to control my, my diabetes a lot better. And from there, it kind of, uh, you know, snowballed into being obsessed with getting better at, at everything I do. Um, and breathing came in through actually Wim Hof though. So I, I heard Wim Hof on a few podcasts and for me, it was more a spiritual side of things. Um, I was getting my, my PhD at the time. So I was super into science research and all this stuff. And then, uh, at the same time, my sister had just passed away from cancer. And so I had all these kind of like spiritual questions as to what's the, per why am I here? What, you know, what are, what are we doing here? This is crazy. And, uh, and so when Wim Hof comes along, you think he's found it, you know, he's so charismatic, he's so energetic, and he's talking about all these things with breathing and breath is life. And so I started kind of practicing that religiously. And that was my introduction to the breath, but it was nothing to do with science or managing my blood sugars or any of that. So fast forward a, a, another year and uh, I stumbled upon Patrick McCown. And so this is where my whole, uh, I guess, relationship with breathing took off is because Patrick was talking about the science of breathing, the, the physiology, how carbon dioxide and oxygen work and nitric oxide and slow breathing and your autonomic nervous system and all these things I had not even cared about. And I thought, this is uh, phenomenal. This is exactly like my mindset. This is what I need to be doing is reading more about this. But what happened is I actually implemented it. I just started that night. The first day I heard him on a podcast, I taped my mouth. He convinced me. I got the best night's sleep I ever had in my life. Uh, and I was just like, this is crazy. I just literally put a little piece of tape over my mouth. And now I feel like 100 times better. So I started implementing some of the slow breathing practices. And I started uh, doing some mini breath hold type work that he, the oxygen advantage style things. And what happened is over a few, I guess it was about two or three months, my blood sugars were the best they'd ever been. And I just, I couldn't understand how something as simple as breathing through my nose, taping my mouth and doing, so, you know, a few minutes of slow breathing in the morning was dramatically impacting my blood sugars. And as a type one diabetic, I know, like, I, you know, I can't prove it exactly scientifically, but I was like, this is the only variable I changed in my life there has to be something to this. And then that's when I started deciding I'm going to look into this and I, I couldn't, you know, find anything about breathing and diabetes. So I started looking for papers and sure enough, there was a paper in 2017 published in nature, which is one of these premier journals, well-respected saying slow breathing could be a, a beneficial intervention in diabetes. And and then here's another paper showing slow breathing for diabetes improves autonomic function. Another one. And it just, it stumbled, it went down this rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, all of this science is here, but no one knows about it that I know of. So uh, I kind of felt not only did I have the transformation myself and better energy, better blood sugars and things like that, but then I found all the research and decided I, I need to share this with other diabetics. And that's simply all it was. Um, just, I started dumping uh, all this information onto my website uh, just to try to get it out there. And it's kind of grown into like the Instagram and all these other things that I try to try to make the message simple and, and fun about breathing. But from there, yeah, my breathing practice has grown uh, quite a bit, uh, but I, I stick to 
basically the fundamentals of slow breathing and nasal breathing is like, it doesn't have to be fancy. I, I try a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, but uh, that's where I, I mainly stick to is just the slow breathing and nasal breathing. Well, as someone myself, I'm probably quite naive around things like diabetes. So, I mean, I'm sure it could potentially be a relatively complex topic, or maybe it's a, a quite simple one, but would you mind maybe speaking to, um, you know, maybe what is diabetes for those of us that would be naive like me and how our breathing can impact um, the experience of someone with diabetes? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, diabetes can be super complex, uh, but in general, there's two types. There's type one diabetes, which is what I have. And that's where your own, it's, it's called an autoimmune disease where your immune system basically destroys the insulin producing cells in your pancreas, the beta cells. Um, and so that's what happened to me at age 11. Basically my immune system attacked me and I can no longer produce my own insulin. And so that is most common in, in younger people. But again, there's really no age limit to when this could happen. There's late onset diabetes, um, type one diabetes and things like that. But then there's type two diabetes, which is much more common. I think about 90% of all diabetics are type two, maybe even more. I don't know the exact number, but that's more of a metabolic disease where uh, you have insulin resistance and you're not producing enough insulin. So basically you're at a deficiency of insulin. And for many people, it can be corrected with, you know, strict diet and strict ex exercise routines and better sleep and nutrition, all of these different things that you can do uh, to help it. But it's still not easy. And it's not like a quick fix. But that one has a little bit more hope. And, and some people can manage it simply with uh, like pills, whereas with type one diabetics, you're stuck taking insulin, basically the rest of your life. So those are very broad general overview. The reason it helps uh, breathing. So it's almost endless, the number of things breathing does. And it's not that it's going to like cure you or anything, or, you know, it's, it's not some guru. <laughs> oh, just breathe and you don't have to take insulin. It's more that it just, it touches on so many different things that diabetes affects. So the main one is that diabetes is associated with a dysregulated autonomic nervous system. So people with diabetes are in a constant state of fight or flight, uh, basically sympathetic overactivation. And so what, what slow breathing in particular does, if you breathe at a rate, say around four, five, six, seven breaths per minute in that range, it's, it's a little different for everyone, but usually just six breaths per minute is the, the easiest place to start is it balances your autonomic nervous system. It ramps up the calming parasympathetic branch of it and then turns down th that uh, fight or flight sympathetic branch of it. And by doing that, you basically really quickly, uh, and most studies show within like two minutes, you can take a diabetic who is super stressed, whose heart rate variability is way down, whose autonomic function is way down, and in two minutes of slow breathing can jump them up to look like a normal person's quote unquote, um, like, a, a, you know, someone without diabetes. And so that's one of the most amazing things to me is that you can basically reverse autonomic dysfunction with slow breathing. And, and that's what got me so hooked on it. So that's one of the biggest ways in which uh, breathing helps people with diabetes, but there's also blood pressure. So people with diabetes, I think somewhere between like 40 to 60% of us have hypertension and then hypertension can lead to cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer of people with diabetes is, is cardiovascular issues. And so slow breathing is even is, is recognized by the American Heart Association as a 
not, you know, an alternative way, but, but uh, approved way of lowering blood pressure. There've been so many studies showing the effectiveness of slow breathing on lowering blood pressure. And again, it just kind of makes sense. If you're balancing your autonomic nervous system, you're helping to calm down a little bit, not be so stressed. And that's going to help you uh, reduce your blood pressure, which is going to help with cardiovascular issues and all of these other problems that diabetics have. And then, yeah, I could go on for a while. I guess the, the third big one, uh, there's a lot, but I'd say the third big one is like stress and anxiety in general, because people with diabetes, we have like twice as high rates of depression, anxiety, and it, it makes complete sense when you live with the disease. It's relentless. Uh, like I mentioned at the very beginning, and I said, oh, I just kind of like lived. I just figured it out. I would get high, my blood sugar get high, then low, and I didn't think I had any control over it. And to this day, that still happens. It's not like I'm perfect by any means, but it is. it can really take an emotional toll on you when you feel like you have no control or when you did the exact same thing you did yesterday and got completely different results today just because you slept slightly different or you have a little bit more stress from work and all these things. And so when you can use something like slow breathing, which is accessible anytime, anywhere you need it, and you know, start your day that way, end your day that way, it kind of gives you this baseline of reduced stress, reduced anxiety, and that's going to carry into a more positive outlook, more, you know, more motivation to actually control your diabetes, when things go wrong, being able to say, Oh, it's, it's okay. Like, this happens all the time. I, I'm used to it by now, I'm going to be back at it, you know, in a few hours, my blood sugars will be back to normal, it'll be okay. So I would say those are the three biggest ways, either type, type one, type two, is the autonomic function, the blood pressure, hypertension stuff, and then just stress and anxiety in general. Those are the three big ways in which a breathing practice can help. It sort of sounds in, in ways that although people who have diabetes, you know, have a maybe a more concrete reason to turn to certain breathing practices, is that some of the benefits that someone with diabetes would gain would be very similar to kind of anybody who turns to a breathwork practice. Like for me personally, it's something I've been thinking about over the last while is that what my kind of practices and breath were being a big part of it have really helped me do is kind of stop making things more difficult for myself, you know, so managing how I react to things in a way that, again, it's not that life is always easier, that I'm always perfect, but it feels like these kind of practices help me avoid just adding difficulty to whatever's going on. And I know you probably don't have the like the definite data or anything like that, but would you say that a lot of people who do struggle with diabetes would probably have, let's call it dysfunctional breathing or suboptimal breathing, which maybe doesn't have to be because of the diabetes, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, yes, yes, there's, there is some evidence of that. And so basically a big issue with diabetes is um, tissue hypoxia. So People with diabetes generally are getting less oxygen to their tissues, and this is for a variety of reasons. Um, there's basically, uh, we have arterial dysfunction, blood flow uh, problems, which is why people with diabetes have problems with their feet and their eyes, and, and on and on, a lot of inflammation. And so when you're in a chronic state of tissue hypoxia, it activates the sympathetic nervous system. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. But what that's going to do is put you in a little bit more stressed out state, which is going to lead to a little bit more over breathing, maybe using your mouth more. And that's also going to reduce your um, 
or increase your chemosensitivity to carbon dioxide. And then what that's going to do is then trigger more breathing, which is then going to trigger more sympathetic stressed out state. And the cycle goes on and on. And so it becomes kind of this runaway cycle where the disease itself is might cause a little bit of overbreathing. And then the stress from the overbreathing might cause more overbreathing. And it kind of goes on and on. And that, that can be a, a huge problem. There's also, and I don't know enough about this, but there, you know, people with diabetes, when you're, there's, there's a, there's something called ketoacidosis when basically your blood sugars go super high for a really long time and you're, you're producing ketone bodies because your body's not getting, uh, it's basically triggering your body to use fat as energy because you don't have enough insulin in your system. And in any case, uh, that's one way they diagnose diabetics or there's something, there's actually like a diabetic breath in that you start hyperventilating as a way to get rid of that excess acid. And so in that case, it's actually a protective mechanism that's, that's helpful is that you're trying to basically balance the pH of your blood because you're so acidic, you're so toxic at that moment. But in general, that's kind of an extreme case. Uh, but in general, the, the other mechanism of tissue hypoxia, sympathetic overactivation, uh, and then all of the other issues with diabetes, as far as stress and anxiety and things like that, are all going to lead to basically dysregulated breathing. Yeah, and I think it's a, as I said, although diabetics have that very concrete and obviously very serious underlying health issue, I think the the that sort of that kind of feedback loop of how dysfunctional breathing can lead into more dysfunctional breathing, which can uh, obviously have a huge influence on how we're feeling is a problem that so many people have. And Patrick McKeown, who is the, the, the dude behind the oxygen advantage, he's a, he's an Irish guy, as I'm, as I'm sure you know. And when my younger sister or when my sister was younger, she had asthma. So my mother brought her to some seminars with Patrick McKeown. I think it was like a, a so like four workshops over the space of a couple of months or something like that. And my, my mother said, she'll never forget that the, the first day they went, there was two kids, they were twins. I'm not sure exactly what age, probably something like seven or eight. And she said that they were the craziest kids you could ever imagine. They were just bouncing off the walls. They were rude to their mother. They were rude to Patrick McCone. They were just like chaos. And over the course of the four weeks, as he sort of just slowly and gradually corrected their breathing she said that by the end of it you swear it was just two different kids that they were calm they were relaxed <laughs> they were like polite and um, just the most amazing sort of change she's ever seen and so it's um again i think it's just when we when we learn these tools to just make life a little bit easier for ourselves the the, the benefits are just huge and as you said it can be something as simple as just breathing a little bit slower it doesn't have to be fancy. <laughs> yeah. And that's, what's so great about it is it's super simple. Uh, and I hope that most people, once they subscribe to my newsletter or see my work that they realize I, I rarely actually talk about diabetes. You know, I do it like every now and then, but it, it's really just everyone. Um, I came into it through a diabetic standpoint, but like what you were just saying about, you know, earlier before the previous question, you were saying how all of these things happen in your life too. And it's everyone, right? We all can use these tools. Um, and so I use diabetes as like my personal point, but there's, it's just really applicable to life in general. And funny, the story about the, the two little kids, that's, that's amazing. And, and Patrick is a, a wizard of the breath. So that makes sense that he would have made it happen. I actually just uh, saw a paper talking about 
essentially they were looking at how breathing impacts emotions and, and things like that, where you're getting wound up. And the authors decided they were going to look at breathing because breathing impacted every physiological state of the organism, the human, they call it sciencey terms organism, but it was really funny just that like in science, they immediately knew if we want to impact everything, we need to look at the breath. But then like normal people think, oh, breathing's silly or breathing doesn't matter. But like, it really does impact everything, your emotions, your physiology, all of that. And so, yeah, you could take some kids who are, are rowdy and, and wild up. And if you teach them some simple breath regulation, it's going to help them change their state and, and get them to a more calm place. And, you know, kids are supposed to be kids, so we don't want to do that to everyone or anything. But it's just a, a really nice example of that idea of breathing impacting everything. It's cool. I remember in one of your one of the newsletters that you sent out and I think you'd, you'd said something along the lines of, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm going crazy and I'm just going down this rabbit hole and everything's about breathing. And like, you know, am I losing my mind? Or something like that. Essentially. And then, and then it was like, but of course, everything comes back to breathing. How could it not? It's like, it's, it's arguably the most important thing that our body does. You know, obviously everything is important. You can't just highlight one thing, but as you said, it, it is at least one of the things that just impacts everything. So how could it not come back to your breathing? And one of my favorite things about your, your newsletters and your approach is that you seem very flexible in how you approach breathwork. I think a lot of people are, but there's also certain people who'd be very, not to say dogmatic, but would be very much following one particular path. Whereas you seem very, very open to kind of everything. Uh, just seeing, seeing what benefits you can gain from, from all different types of practice. And I think that's a really, a really inspiring thing. Was that a kind of a conscious choice or are you just naturally curious or a little bit of both uh i'm naturally curious and and like i so i became obsessed with the wim hof as i mentioned and patrick mccown but i also was looking at you know there's benefits to so many different things when you start just doing a little bit of googling even you know you just see like oh alternate nostril breathing or this breathing does that or holotropic breathing and all of these Things you're like, well, wait, that goes against everything I learned from a physiological standpoint, but it still seems to work. So from a curiosity standpoint, yeah, there was just all these things I wanted to learn more about. And then I also consciously think it's important to that I know I'm one person, you're one person. You know, each each of us has a different physiology, has different genes, different environment. And so a breathing method that I think is the best thing ever might not, you know, sit well with someone else. And that's okay, right? As long as whatever the person finds is right for them in that moment, I think that's all that matters that they understand how important breathing is that breathing is life that no matter where you're at, there's always some sort of method you can do to help yourself in some way, whether it's, you know, hyperventilating on purpose, which most people would say that's a bad idea. But you know, in some places, it might be all right, or just using slow breathing or alternate nostril breathing or doing 45 minute breath work class or, you know, whatever is right for the person. I think uh, I try to be very open to that because I know that I'm not right. I'm just, I'm always learning, you know, so I don't want to tell someone, oh, this is the way and then find out in three months that nope, this is not the way. Uh, so I just try to be very conscious that I don't know anything, but I love learning. And I know that it works if you try it uh, and find the one that's right for you. So yeah, I'll stop rambling, but it, it, <laughs> that's kind of my approach. Can I ask you about your experience with the Wim Hof method? Um, sure. I think it is, it seems to be more and more the kind of, let's say the almost like the gateway drug to breath work for a lot of people right. is the Wim Hof method. And it's, I, I think it because it is, 
such a, you know, I think sometimes let's say, for example, with slow breathing and stuff, if you're not in the right mindset or whatever, and you know, the, the kind of benefits can escape you. There's no kind of getting away from the impact of the Wim Hof method. Like you're kind of, you're going to feel something, whatever it is, but then I, I, I find, or I feel, or I definitely notice when I'm talking to, to, to a lot of people that as people, let's say maybe as people's breathwork practice matures, um, people sort of tend to drift away from the Wim Hof method a little bit. So I'd love to hear your experience of when you first found it and if you still practice it today. Sure. Yeah. So when I first found it, just like what you said, it's kind of this immediate, you can't escape how it makes you feel. And again, it'll be different for everyone, but it's a, a pretty unique thing because he, I think in one of my newsletters recently, I put the three stages of Wim Hof where like you meet, you, you learn about it and you love it. You think this is the best thing ever. Cause it changes your physiology. You see all these lights, all these cool things. And then you start learning about breathing. It's your gateway drug, as you mentioned. And then you say, wait, he's wrong. Like, this is all off. He's crazy. And then like, you get farther along, you go, oh, wait, he's a genius. Like he did know what he was doing this whole time. Um, because at first it's, it's more of like a spirituality or performance or whatever you're using it for. Cause it kind of helps with everything. But then you say, oh, well, you're, you're offloading too much carbon dioxide and you're hyperventilating, all these things are bad. And then you think, oh, well, wait a minute, this actually does work because of what you just said. It, it's that gateway drug. It, he found a way to get everyone interested in breathing. And I think that's what's so amazing about it is that it's, it's a simple, there's nothing to it. He just says, breathe, mother effer, you know, I don't care which hole, just start breathing and go. And he found the easiest way to get people interested in the breath. And I think, I, I mean, I know there's some dogma and things in the breathing community, but I think everyone is forever grateful to Wim Hof for bringing so much light to the power of the breath. So for me, it started with that. Um, I do still use it uh, occasionally. I kind of actually every morning do a, a variation of it where I do some uh, a slight, so a little bit of hyperventilation and breath holds. And then I like to do the pushups uh, each morning. So just basically hyperventilate and then hold my breath and do, you know, 50 pushups. And um, I just like that change of state. It's, it's nice that I can do that within, you know, 30 seconds or a minute can go to a completely different physiological state. And it, it kind of is a reminder of the power of, of breathing. But um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a, a great jumping off point. If you're in good health, I think that's where a little bit of the problems arise is that it is pretty intense. You do, you know, 30 big breaths, and then you hold your breath as long as you possibly can after an exhale, which uh, basically puts you into a super extreme state of fight or flight, which triggers all of these crazy <laughs> adrenaline rush where you feel uh, really charged up afterward. And then though, when you're done, and this is something I think that gets overlooked a lot with the Wim Hof method, if you don't do the push-ups, so if you just do like three rounds of his breath work, your heart rate goes way down. Um, I, I always wear like a pulse oximeter and to see my oxygen saturation, my heart rate. And typically when you're done, it puts you into this kind of weird meditative state of calmness because you went, it's like, a, you know, the yin and yang or whatever you, you pushed yourself so hard sympathetically that once you finally stop, you go back super parasympathetic, that calming. And I'll see my heart rate drop, you know, 10 or 15, uh, beats per minute lower after, after the session. So, um, it's a really unique way of, of introducing people to breath work and it definitely has a place. Um, I don't 
like the typical method, the way he prescribes it. I use that very, very intermittently. Like if I feel a little off, if I feel like I'm getting a cold, um, I'll, I'll use that. Or if I just, sometimes I just want to feel it again, just to, you know, see the the lights in my head and things like that, which is just, it feels, it sounds silly to say that, but it's fun, you know, and that's the whole point is just to have fun with it. Yeah. I remember when I first started with the Wim Hof method during the breath holds, I used to get this feeling sort of like up my spine that I don't know how familiar you are with like yoga uh, philosophy or ideas in yoga, but felt like this idea of like Kundalini rising this sort of like energy that leads you towards enlightenment. And I was like, is this, is this what they, what they mean when they talk about that stuff? I was like, it kind of feels like it. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it, the impact is, is, can be crazy. And I think there's something, it can be a little bit like addictive in a way. Like when I first started doing Wim Hof, that was, that was me for like a few months. It was every morning, the cold exposure, the, the, the push-ups, all of it. And I personally found after a while, I felt like I almost got like a little bit like burnt out from it almost. I don't know. I, and I, got, I started getting a little bit, like, and maybe this is probably more so to do with me than the actual method itself. But I started to get a little bit like obsessive about like how long I was holding my breath for. And if I, if I only held my breath for two minutes, like, oh, I was a shit breath hold. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of like, but I was lucky enough, actually, that I went to spend a bit of time with Wim Hof. It was me and two friends of mine. He, he'd advertised on his website a weekend with Wim. It was the first time he'd ever done one of these things. It was actually, it was really cheap. And so he'd also advertised that there was other teachers on it and stuff. So I kind of thought like, we'll go there. He might be there on the first day, be like, hey, how's it going? And then he'd bounce off and we'd be with like these other instructors. instructors. But it was literally, as I've described, it was a weekend with him. It was on in his house. <laughs> it was just like, basically there was no structure really. It was just a weekend of just hanging out with him. It was amazing. It was really, really amazing. But I always remember really clearly on one of the days, a guy asked him a question, how does this actually work? Like, what are we actually doing? What's the, and his answer was basically like, if you have to ask the question, you don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you have to ask the question, there's no point in me telling you, you're not going to get it anyways. <laughs> and, then, right. and again, I, I think I, at the time I was a bit like, that's probably answer that question a little bit better. Um, but when I reflect on it now, it is, he's not interested in people over intellectualizing. It's more just, just do it and feel it. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, as you said, the sort of the, the, the rights and wrongs and the, the nuance can maybe miss sometimes, but a lot of people do need that. Don't think about it, just feel it and notice, notice the impact that this has. And then I think again, like as, as that can definitely be refined, but that first moment, I think, as you said, it's a lot of people who now benefit from these practices probably do owe him a lot for, for being that person that said, feel it you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly and yeah it's hard to because I, I you know I, that's one thing I try to encourage a lot is just action like do it try out slow breathing try out you know whatever it is and that is where Wim Hof got it right is that he found a way to just say do it just take a big breath let's go right now 30 breaths and it's a really quick you don't need any equipment you don't need anything so uh yeah, it's really neat. And that's amazing. You got to spend a, w- a weekend with Wim, especially how long ago was this? This was, I'm going to say 2016. So okay, kind of so like right the, when he was starting yeah, to blow up. Yeah, kind of at the beginning. And um, it was a really amazing weekend, really amazing weekend. Maybe like 30 people or something. And as I said, just, just on in his house. And uh, I think on the Saturday evening, he was like, when people were leaving, he was like, oh, everyone come back later on. We'll, uh, we'll hang out. 
came back to his house. We all, we were all in his like his hot tub, like drinking beers. He goes to build like a fire. We did this kind of like improv, impromptu fire circle. Like it was, it was really amazing. And like he is, like I know he says he's not a guru, and that's actually my favorite thing about him that he, you know, he repeatedly said on that weekend, like I am not special. Anybody can do these things. But also, if he was starting up like a, I don't know, some kind of cult. I would probably consider joining. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. It's good. Uh, good insight of, of yourself to know you would, you would jump aboard that shit. And yeah, the thing again, without, I'm conscious of this, but I turn it to a bit of a Wim Hof fanboy kind of conversation, but he also just like, he doesn't see uh, limitations in a lot of sense that there was one moment on this weekend where he kind of stopped and he was like, what if we all, built an orphanage and we all bring kids to this orphanage and we teach them the Wim Hof method from like from four years old and we raise these kids based on the Wim Hof method and everyone was kind of like what, what are you <laughs> talking like, about he was like let's do it he's like let's do it like I was like, <laughs> I was like but at just that kind of like that that ambition I just thought it was just amazing <laughs> yeah he's definitely uh yeah it's, it's another interesting thing because he has so many crazy thoughts and ideas but you know, he ends up being right about a lot. And and the other thing I think that gets is he is a little crazy, right? And that's what makes him special. But he also is of anyone um, in the breathwork community, he's subjected himself to the science himself, you know, like, he's put his method to the test. Um, a lot, you know, myself included, like I, I read all of the science, and I, I take the information that was that was given, and I apply it in my life. But he applied it in his life and then, you know, took it to the science and said, this thing works. And so I think is uh, as crazy as he can be. And as, you know, silly as some of his ideas are, you got to give him the most credit for literally putting all these electrodes on his head for going into the ice, for fighting off endotoxins and using his breath for everything to keep his skin temperature the exact same while being, you know, exposed to cold water, all these insane things. He's, he's at least saying, I will do it before anyone else. Like I'll, I'll put myself to it. And again, that's what any good cult leader will do. No, just kidding. <laughs> would do. So, uh, uh, so in any case, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing. He's, he's out there. Cause I think the whole breathing community needs, well, it's just, I think it's, it's, it's a great thing that he's out there publicizing breathing, whatever, whatever method it gets people into is great. You know, and would you mind um, speaking kind of, sort of relevant to the Wim Hof as well, but maybe not such specific terms to the, the benefits of temporarily over-breathing or hyperventilating or fast breathing, whatever way we kind of want to put the name on it, because I think a lot of people are very aware of, or, or more and more people are becoming more aware of the benefits of slower breathing, gentler breathing. But would you mind also mentioning some of the potential benefits of, of the opposite? Sure, yeah. Um... So I think the biggest one is that you could think of it as a controlled stressor. So similar to like going for a workout, you know, you go, you stress your body out and then it recovers, it adapts and, and you're stronger from it uh, mentally, physically, all of these things. And so with, with controlled fast breathing, it's a similar effect in that you're purposely putting yourself into a sympathetic state. You're purposely stressing your body and then that's going to help you basically be less stressed otherwise, because you just did that on purpose, similar to a workout. So 
that's probably the biggest reason that, uh, and, and the key word though, with all of this is control. So if you're chronically just hyperventilating or a fast breather and your resting breathing rate is, you know, 20 breaths per minute, and you're just always, that's not what we're talking about here. It's, it's more of a, we're going to sit down and, and use our, our breath control, this amazing gift we've been given from evolution that we can control our breath. Um, and use it to reach a physiological state. And so that's where I think some of the benefits are. There's a lot of, um, so if you're using your nose, for example, for fast breathing, you're also influencing your, your brain state. So when you breathe through your nose, the rhythms of the breath get impact, impact the rhythms of your brain and your, and your brainwave oscillations and things. I don't know if there's uh, a ton of research on this, but if you just kind of look at the fact that nasal breathing impacts brainwave uh, structure and, and brainwave coherence and things, you might find an argument that potentially some of the fast breathing changes, you know, the brainwave structures, and that's going to have, you know, these different impacts. And another big one is when you're purposefully hyperventilating, uh, as odd as this might sound to, to people not too, uh, too into the breath is that you're reducing oxygen delivery to the brain specifically. So you're offloading carbon dioxide, and carbon dioxide is a vasodilator and it, and it helps actually increase blood flow to the brain. So when you are hyperventilating, uh, you actually, the, the blood vessels constrict some and you get less oxygen delivery to the brain. There's actually even like a, a specific formula for it. I can't remember like so many millimeters of mercury of, uh, of carbon dioxide reduction results in let's say 20% reduction of blood flow. I'm making that up, but there's some sort of study showing that. And so by reducing blood flow to the brain, it actually, it might start to explain some of the more spiritual side of a lot of fast breathing, like holotropic breathing and rebirthing. And I've never gotten too, too into all these because I try to stay in the, the calmer side, but just acknowledge the, uh, the fast breathing benefits. So, so I don't know exactly how any of those methods work precisely, but I would imagine that the reduced oxygen delivery to the brain is actually a good thing in that case is that it's shutting down some of our prefrontal cord, some of our overthinking, some of our rationalizing and all of these things where we think we need to be stressed and that this isn't possible and stuff. And so by reducing brain blood flow, you might be shutting down some of those systems. I'm kind of hypothesizing, but, and that could be another benefit more from the, the spiritual side of why so many of the more intense breathing practices lead to more, you know, visualizations or these feel like trauma release and things like that, that people find huge benefits in. Uh, when, and again, this is with like an instructor and in a very controlled environment where you're safe. This is not something you should do at home, but uh, there's like, you know, the holotropic breath work is really well known for, you know, helping with trauma, uh, addiction, all of these different things. And it could be something with, you know, shutting down portions of the brain that help you think different, similar to like, uh, again, something I don't know anything about, but psychedelic experiences and all of these things that now modern science is saying, yes, we need to be looking into, um, these breathing practice practices could be doing something very similar. Yeah. I've always found it's not something I practice a huge amount, but a technique that I do find really valuable is connected breathing and connected breathing. You can do connected breathing a lot of different ways, but I do find connected breathing. So basically just inhale exhale with as little space in between as possible i do find that it does tend to quicken your breathing a little and i actually find it's a really beautiful way to to step back from overthinking and i used to think that maybe it was because 
you're just so focused on connecting your breathing you're just inhale exhale inhale exhale keep it going and that that's sort of what helped you take that little step away from the overthinking there was just a shift in focus but maybe potentially it is actually just as you said kind of cutting off blood flow to certain areas of the brain which is you know reducing that kind of overthinking and I, I think that in itself can be an incredibly therapeutic thing just having <laughs> a period of time when you're not obsessively thinking is uh again with as simple as it sounds it's it's a it's an incredibly beneficial thing yeah and so definitely the focus is a big part of it though. So you hit on a very important thing, but it gets back to what we were talking about with the, with the two kids and uh, breathing affects everything. Breathing is your body's most important physiological function. Without a doubt, you can go, you know, weeks or months without food and days without water and just minutes without air. It's kind of the famous thing breathing people like to say, but it's just, it's going to be the, the thing you prioritize. So when you focus on breathing deeply and you're, your body's going to fall into that rhythm uh, and it's going to not be able to focus on anything else when you're putting everything you have into following your breath and, and doing these cyclic breathing or, or connected breathing. So I think that there's just so many things going on from a psychological standpoint, plus the physio physiology of the blood flow that uh, again, the, the greatest part about everything breathing is that you can just try it and feel it for yourself. If you don't like it, it's the, the Bruce Lee method, right? Like take what you enjoy, uh, discard the rest. And so even, even if we don't have the perfect science behind why things work, it doesn't matter. Just try it. And in the, if we do have the perfect science behind it, it doesn't matter. Just try it. So uh, it's, it's more about the experience. And that's what's so cool about breathing is that you can uh, just, just try different things and find what works. But super fascinating uh with this uh, with the connected breathing and and kind of stepping away and I, I never really thought of it like that is that you can't help but not think about other things like you you just yeah and it's it's and that's another reason again not to harp on it but Wim Hof you do some connected breathing at first similar you know it's a little bit more just re letting go but uh you can't help but get out of your own head and that's that's a big a big help in today's world yeah is there any particular impact that over breathing or conscious hyperventilation has on diabetes the reason i ask is there's a um a lady who comes to my yoga classes and my classes i guess would be um i don't know kind of slower pace a lot of focus on slower breathing a lot of focus on the exhales uh, and she has she's a diabetic and she always comes up to me afterwards and is like, I have to be so careful of my, uh, of my blood sugar levels after your classes. And um, because of the slower breathing and the slower movement has a big impact that she has to make sure that she has some food to eat afterwards and mm -hmm. things like that. So with the opposite of kind of conscious or controlled hyperventilation, how would that impact on diabetes? So this is actually a, a really good question and something that I'm actually just starting to look into more mainly just because fast breathing has become more interesting to me. Uh, but so in the short term, I think it's going to be a, bl a blood sugar spike, like you're going to not spike, but it's going to increase your blood sugar some just because it's stressful, you're going to be releasing stress hormones, and all of these things that are going to help basically bring your blood sugar up. But I don't know the consequences like long term, if it would be similar to exercise where you get that little stressor, but then for the rest of the day, you're in better shape, um, or the rest, you know, or over time you get, uh, more resilient to stress and that helps you with your diabetes management and things like that there. 
so like Breath of Fire and then, oh, I can't remember the other one, but it's, it's, it's similar to Breath of Fire, I think, but you use some arm movements and you exhale very forcefully. Those two uh, yogic breathing uh, practices have a lot of research in them. And I'm pretty sure I've seen some papers with diabetes included. So I'm hoping to dive into that and learn a little bit more. And so I'll have a better answer at some point as to, I can only basically hypothesize that short-term, probably a quick blood sugar increase due to the stress response and then long-term potentially better, or maybe not, I'm not sure, but I do use these, uh, you know, I, I mentioned every morning I do a little bit of fast breathing. I think it's, it's a little bit therapeutic, um, but I do it in a super small, small portion, like, you know, 30 seconds or 45 seconds. So I try not to overdo it. Um, so yeah, I won't ramble anymore. We can save that one for the part two of the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so as someone who, it seems to me like you're just a very conscious, mindful and curious practitioner. So I'd love to know if I sort of, I sort of have a feeling what I think your answer might be, but um if you were to someone maybe starting out on their breathwork practice, is there any advice or is there any advice maybe that you wish you had been given when you first started down this road of, of breathwork? Well, the, I guess the most obvious one is that there's no one size fits all. Uh, and that's what we've been talking about most of the time that I think the most important thing is just to pick what stands out to you most and then go from there. But you need to be excited about the first thing you do. If, if me talking about breathing at six breaths per minute, and I'm talking about heart rate variability and parasympathetic dominance, and you're like, that is just so boring. Like that doesn't sound fun at all. Like, I don't think that's the right place to start. Although I think if you did it, if, like the change you would feel uh, would be so substantial that you might be convinced. But uh, like you said, if you're not in the right mind state for slow breathing, sometimes the impacts aren't as aren't as uh, profound. So you might try something a little more intense. So you might take an actual like breathwork class that does slow breathing uh, along with some fast breathing. Um, maybe try like Soma. That's something I want to try. Soma breathwork. That looks cool. <laughs> you know, so there's all these different ways you can get introduced. But as for myself, yeah, I can't think of anything I wish I would have known. Of course, that one, like, oh, don't get so obsessed with Wim Hof or don't get so obsessed with just the oxygen advantage, all these things. But in reality, I I've become so obsessed again, don't get so obsessed, but with, with acknowledging the importance of everything I've learned, uh, that I wouldn't have this perspective had I not tried all that, you know, if I had, I not got obsessed with it. Um, and so I think it's important. Uh, so to me, I'm happy with exactly the path I went on. Cause I'm sitting right here talking to you and, and that's amazing. So I'm not, uh, I'm not one to think, Oh, I wish I would have known this sooner. Um, and that's me. And that's conscious. I've trained myself to think that way. So that's another conscious decision. But uh, for someone starting out now, since you have the advantage, yeah, just pick one that resonates with you and, and get started. And then if you don't like it, remember, there's so many other options, just because someone tells you you need to be doing this. If it doesn't feel right to you, then maybe you don't need to be doing this. And don't. The biggest point is that breathing should never be a stressor. Like, uh, like a source of anxiety, like, oh, I'm not doing it right. Or like you said, with the Wim Hof, my breath holds suck now. Uh, and that's how I got with it too. The, that's the last thing we want to do. Uh, that's why I stopped monitoring my heart rate variability as much because like, it's one of these things where it's becoming now a stressor to meet a mark to meet. And that's not what breathing is about. It's about 
improving your life. Of course, we want to have measurements and make sure we're, we're on the right track. We don't want to be making anything worse and just saying, who cares? But we also don't want to be so obsessed with the measurement or the outcome that we don't, that we're losing the value of the relaxation and the, the basically the control of your physiology that you're given. So I think uh, that would be the most important thing to keep in mind as you're starting out is that you're never right, you're never wrong. Just enjoy it and pick what is best for you. I sort of feel like that's why what, what I've not, I wouldn't say I've been surprised, but one of the most consistent thing I found from talking to people on this podcast with the different interviews that I've done with, I've been looking to kind of talk to people from different approaches and stuff. One of the big things that a lot of people seem to come back to is breathing gently. <laughs> that um, And I think that idea that I think that's why a lot of people end up coming back to that is that that to be conscious that all of the other things that we can explore within our breathing, as you said, don't become stressors. And that as amazing as it can be to have a breathing technique to cure past trauma or to improve physical performance or to whatever it might be, that maybe the most important thing to be able to do with your breathing is just calm you down in the present moment. <laughs> that's kind of like, uh, and I think one of my my favorite things, I, I think again, I probably got it from you, was the idea that the goal of conscious breathing is actually to become better at unconscious breathing. Precisely. <laughs> and I think that's just such a, a, a an amazing way of framing it, that as much as controlling our breathing in all these different ways has benefits, the end goal is that you're able to breathe in a way that just supports you in everyday life. Yeah. And, and that's perfectly said, like when it comes down to like, in general, what we should be doing most of the time is just gentle, soft breathing through our nose. Uh, and, and that's really it. It's so simple. Right. Uh, and all of these other things are super complicated and, and that's great. I think, like I said, we should explore them. And like you just said, explore them, but it does come back to the goal for, for me and, and how I look at it is that our breathing practice should support our everyday breathing. So I am a huge proponent of slow breathing. Um, so if, if someone was to say like, what's the most important thing I would say, try to do some slow breathing in the morning and at night, because that's going to help you reset your, your chemosensitivity, help you reset your baseline parasympathetic activation and all these things that are going to help you breathe better when you're not thinking about it. And we take 20 to 25,000 breaths per day. Most of them, I would say 96 to 99% are unconscious. We're not mindful. So we want to fix those. Let's, let's fix the bigger, the bigger pot of, of breathing, the bigger slice of the, the breathing pie. And the, the easiest way to do that is to focus on simple things, just like slow nasal breathing, uh, relaxation and things like that, that are going to set you up for success. One of the final questions I'd love to ask you and Although we've touched on it in, in parts, quite a bit of our conversation has been around the sort of the physical aspects of breathing. But I'd also love to know, particularly because obviously the last two years for most of us have been pretty different, let's say, <laughs> on a kind of a, a global scale. Mm -hmm. How has your practices supported you during that crazy time of lockdowns and restrictions and um, basically living through a, a global pandemic, which is mildly stressful for most of us to, to say the least. 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, and I will stay, I'll say something because the physical is the mental too, right? So like by changing your physiology, you change your mind state. Um, it, it's also interconnected. So by using a, a practice to increase your heart rate variability, that's going to naturally improve your, your mood, your, your mindset, you're able to withstand stressors. Um, so for me, I've used breathing. It was actually, you know, the first thing I turned to, I started working from home. I had all this extra time. And so I just like ramped up my breathing practice. I really focused on CO2 tolerance. Uh, so I was doing like sprint breath holds and this breath hold and walking breath holds. And it was like, it was kind of getting ridiculous, but I was having so much fun. I had done this huge right before the pandemic started. I had done a, a big race um, or a race with myself, but I'd walked a hundred miles for breathing. And it was like this thing where I was just a, a personal challenge it was for the, the health and human performance foundation. I wanted to raise awareness around chronic disease and breathing. So it was literally like, I think two weeks before we got sent home that I did that. And so I had been training unbelievably for that, like waking up at two 30 in the morning, three in the morning, going out and walking 20 miles and then trying to be a good father and a good, good husband and all these things. So I found myself with all this free time now. I've been so used to like training so hard. So I started going overboard on like CO2 tolerance and all of these different things. And then I got away from that and went back to more just traditional slow breathing practices. And I guess the point is that I was able to just use it how I needed it at that moment. Um, and I definitely relied on it for emotional stability. I still had a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of stress around the whole situation, obviously, uh, worrying. I'm a I'm a massive breathing person, right? That's all I talk about. It's all I think about is breathing nowadays. And here comes a respiratory disease. And so it was just like, well, I couldn't have been in a better scenario, I guess, like from a training perspective, but I was still very stressed. Uh, yeah, it, no matter what, the news, everything, it's all there. So I used breathing to kind of keep me sane, to keep me somewhat sane, I guess I should say, logical. And uh, to me, and I say this a lot uh, in my newsletter and stuff, is that consistency is the key. And so I was just consistent. I just, I tried to keep my same traditional breathing practices, my slow breathing in the morning and the evening as locked in the exact same as always, and then add in other things. But that baseline consistency, I think keeps you at a, a high enough resilient state to make it a little bit easier to bear a little bit less stressful or a little bit more tolerable, let's say. And so um, yeah, that's, that's basically I won't I won't go on too much more. But basically, I just used I just started doing different things, trying, I had so much more time. Uh, I tried a lot of different breathing or breath hold stuff. And then a lot more slow breathing. I got into like alternate nostril breathing more recently, Ujjayi more trying that out quite a bit. And, and just seeing, I have so much time. Let me try all these different methods. And that might be why more recently you've probably noticed in the newsletter that I've been way more open about like, Oh, let's be mixed breathing artists. Let's not worry so much about one method and let's use what's appropriate for the time because that's what I was doing during this whole situation is just using what I needed in that moment and found that, wow, there's all these different methods that you can implement. You don't need to be dogmatic. If you're feeling this way, do this. If you're feeling this way, do that. And let's just uh, enjoy this unbelievable gift we have, <laughs> breath control. Mixed breathing artists is a really beautiful phrase. I don't think I've heard you say that before. <laughs> it's, it's like MMA, mixed, yeah. mixed martial artists, but we're, we're mixed breathing artists. I like it. I like it a lot. One of the things you actually you, you mentioned quite a bit in your newsletter 
I think it ties in pretty aptly with your, with, as you said, the importance of consistency. You're going to have to step in and, and, and let me know the correct phrase that you use here, but it's something along the lines of breathing as uh, like compound interest or like the benefits of, <laughs> like I'm not sure exactly how you phrase it. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit? Yeah. So yeah, the, the saying is breathing is the compound interest of health and wellness. That's like my favorite uh, idea. And it's just basically built on this idea of consistency. And I think a lot of people, you know, understand they invest in their 401k or whatever it might be. There's some sort of like way of, of earning a living. Uh, and we, we spend all this time on financial advice and getting our finances right and all this. So I, I try to make the analogy to breathing just because it seems relatable, I guess. But in any case, the idea is that basically you can just put little tiny bits, 1% you know, a little bit of your time, 1% of your breathing, which is, you know, only a few minutes a day, and that will grow over time, it will compound into something really remarkable. Uh, it's like a, a tiny change, a, or, you know, a tiny change in your breathing, a massive change in your outcome, because breathing impacts everything, right? So you're making a small investment into your cardiovascular health, you're making a small investment into your autonomic nervous system function, you're making a small investment into your brain function and your memory function, you're making a really tiny investment into your reducing your stress and anxiety, you're making a tiny investment into all of these different things that when combined are going to just keep compounding over time and keep improving your life. And if you're consistent with it, that's where the magic happens. Because that's when your baseline stress goes down. That's when your blood sugars improve, all of these different things. And so I'm a huge proponent of consistency and then using this idea of compound interest to keep, keep people remembering that, just keep doing it and just watch it compound. And I can say that because it's happened in my life. Like, I, of, of course, it sounds cool, right? I'm like, oh, I, I love writing. That's like my favorite thing is to sit down and, and write. So of course, I'm a fan of words and, and things like that. But like I mentioned, I walked 100 miles. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm a nerdy scientist. Like I put on a 20 pound rucksack and walked a hundred miles. I've, it, it, you know, I've put together hundreds of papers now and all these different ideas is it's, and it's all because of breathing. Like it's all because I started with something very tiny, one little change. And then it grew into more energy, which gave me the, the energy to go exercise more, which then gave me the energy to manage my blood sugars more. And, you know, all of these compounding, multiplying things that are interacting that we can't quantify perfectly. I just think compound interest is the best way of saying it. Just watch that curve grow, watch the benefits keep going and going. And it's an asymptote, right? You, you'll never actually hit the end. And that's, that's the point. We're just out here trying to be the best we can be. And, and breathing is like the, the, the first place to start and then let it compound into every other aspect of your life. That's my rant. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, that was like a, it was amazing motivational breathwork speech I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to make that into the, if I do start my YouTube page, that's going to be one of the okay. dramatic music in the background, but, um, right. We'll, right, but, we'll put some Will Smith clips right yeah. after right? we'll be set. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're, you're spot on, you're spot on. And, um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful example of, as you said, how small changes or, or small input can really just multiply and change. And, and it's something that I, sometimes find hard to you know you can explain it through like the nervous system and and as you said changes in your your, your physical functioning and and the 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 functioning of your brain but i sometimes find it difficult to fully explain to people how paying attention to my breathing changed my life i am a completely different person now i mean not completely different but i am 
different in really important ways compared to who I was before. And I, I don't know why I would put that sound too dramatic, but like I kind of almost hate to think of who I would be as a father without these practices. Um, because, you know, before I would have had big issues with my temper. I would have had big issues around, uh, I would have drank a lot and all these sort of things that, that, that breathing changed, but, but didn't change it immediately. You know I mean, it wasn't like I took my first round of, uh, you know, coherent breathing and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't need to lose my temper anymore. Yeah, I'm perfect, I yeah. I, oh, now I'm like, now I'm really content. Uh, you know, it didn't happen immediately, but gradually over time, consistency, it has completely transformed the way I see myself in the world. And I think that the way that you put it there just just sums it up so nicely. Well, that's yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, and that's yeah. Same here. You know, I'm a father also. And uh, of course, we, I still no, I'm never perfect, right? I still make mistakes and I still get upset when she, she hits me in the face or you know, there's all <laughs> these, these things that toddlers do. Um, so, but yeah, without it, what would I maybe have done, right? You know, how much more angry, how, how worse of an example might I have been? Um, and I think, uh, so there's a behavioral uh, expert or habit expert, BJ Fogg, and he wrote a book called Tiny Habits. Amazing book. Couldn't recommend it more. I've read it multiple times, but he talks about this idea of multiplying effects that, you know, one small behavior isn't one small behavior because that one small behavior will multiply into another small behavior and, and another small change. And that's exactly, although it hadn't, he was never talking about breathing, not once in that book. I think it's one of the most important breathing books ever written, right? Because it's like, this explains the behavior changes of you make one small change of nasal breathing uh, at night. Let's say that's what the biggest one for me starting out was just taping my mouth. And then that multiplied into other aspects of my life of slow breathing and then having that slow conscious breathing as oh I can I can come back to this anytime I'm upset like I don't need anything else it's right here and then that might go back to well when I'm out you know exercising and I'm 35 miles in and I'm feeling awful I know I can come back to my breath at some point and and reset and things like that but the point he makes in the book is that it's unique to everyone that there's no way to know what one behavior is going to do to the rest of your behaviors because you're your own person, right? And so that's exactly why breathing as the compound interest of health and wellness, it's, you don't know what way it's going to take you, but it's going to make, you said, oh, I don't know who I would be, you know, without it and things like that. And like, that's what's so incredible is that all it's going to do is help you become more you uh, in the right ways, in the best ways, I think. And so I've noticed that in my life, and again, I don't want to act like I'm perfect by no means close or anything like that. I'm, uh, I struggle with so many different things, but I think that, uh, that it's just such a small change that will make you more of whoever you're supposed to be. And that's great. And, and then maybe forget about breathing, you know, then go do whatever you're meant to be doing on this planet, you know, but if it, if it gives you that nudge, that's what, that's, what's important. Listen, I'd love to talk to you for, for much longer because I really, I'm just such a fan, such a fan. Um, but I won't keep it too much longer. But I know one of the ways you wanted to end this conversation or finish up was by maybe mentioning some resources that you have found particularly useful and beneficial on your journey. 
so yeah if you want to let people know some some great places they can go to that'd be awesome yeah so just to get started i'm going to just mention two breathing apps because i use them um so there's one called the breathing app um and i've just been recently using this for probably the past maybe month or so but uh an incredible human being, Eddie Stern, uh, a yoga a yoga expert, um, got introduced to him and I, I started using his app just because he's become a friend of mine and I appreciate everything he does and fell in love with it. Uh, so it's called the breathing app. It's the simplest one. That's why I mentioned it first. There's nothing to it. They don't take your email. They don't do anything. You just download it and push play. Um, and I recommend using headphones. If you use headphones and do, you know, the four seconds in, six seconds out breath, it will be amazing. Um, it puts you, the, the music is really, really unique in that if you're not using headphones, it's nice, but if you put on headphones, it'll put you into a state of resonance so much faster. And so I've been loving that, uh, that app. Um, so that would be the one. So if you just want to do slow breathing, that's the easiest, uh, way into it. Another one is called breath work. So that's without an O. So it's breath W R K. And this one is a little, is a lot more comprehensive, but super, again, just amazing people there. Um, so there's just, they're all full of information and they're all just wanting to help people. And I love that, uh, with breathing, I think that's the main thing is just helping people and, and the people there are great. So because of that, I love their app tremendously and they have every different type of breath work you can imagine. So if you get onto that one, um, you can use, I, there's so many, I don't want to like sway you because you, they have categories and you can pick different breaths for different reasons. But my favorites are this one called no worries. Uh, I love that one again with the tones and the, and, and it's just like a nice rhythm. It's like a, I think a four second inhale, four second hold, six second exhale, uh, maybe a three second hold. Um, right around there. And so that one I found uh, phenomenal with the music. And then they also have some breath hold training on there, some fast breathing. And then there's one called bliss, which I think people should try. And it's, uh, I think three or four fast breaths and then one real nice slow breath and then fast breath and then real slow breathing. And it's, it's this idea of, uh, what you were just talking about connected breathing earlier. It's doing that, uh, with an app guiding you, you don't need any tools other than the app and maybe some headphones if you want. So just, you know, those are two simple ways to get started immediately today. Um, and if you're interested in like more rigorous breath work training, there's so many options, but if you want to take a class and again, it's just because of things I've taken, there's a, a place called open online. And I took, uh, there's this excellent instructor, Krusen, um, he can, yeah, he's, he leads some incredible, he's a, I think he's a DJ. And so, but he's also a breathwork person. And so he combines music, uh, with, with breathwork in a way that's really interesting. He has one class called heart coherence, where you're just breathing at five breaths per minute for like 30 minutes straight, but he talks you through it and he adds in music. And again, this is things I'm not interested in. Typically I'm like super like introverted. I just want to sit with an app and think about sciencey stuff, but he, yeah, his, 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 uh, heart coherence class is very, very life. Like it's, it's a true game changer at the end. Like he, he leads you through all these emotions and all these things while doing slow breathing, which I'd never experienced. So, uh, yeah, so I'll throw that one out there as an option, but breath work in the breathing app, go download them, have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, the, so the breathing app, I use it quite often. I on on 
the teacher trainings that I run here in Dublin, we do a summer intensive. Uh, so like one month of, of, of yoga teacher training. And on that course, every morning I begin with the resonance frequency breathing or Samavriti as it's known in yoga uh, using the breathing app because oh cool I've found like through all different apps that I've looked at and stuff the breathing app just seems to me like the most no frills you know what I mean like the, the as you said that the noise is actually quite pleasant I've found mm-hmm. some apps where like the noises they use like what who what were they thinking anyways <laughs> so it's just it's such a as I say, simple straightforward and so many people with these trainings like we cover so much stuff over the course of that month there's philosophy there's physical practice there's people learning how to 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 teach so you know speaking in front of people all of that stuff which is uh quite transformative to work through but one of the most consistent bits of feedback in terms of what people found most beneficial is that little bit of breathing at the beginning oh just just lying down listening to that app we use the five seconds in five seconds out and so many people are like that that was the thing <laughs> that was that was the real Amazing. game changer yeah, have so, you tried it with headphones before so that was i actually haven't because most oh. of the time i've used that has been in group settings so now that's i'm gonna when we finish up here i'm gonna get out and sit down and, and put the headphones give it in. a try it's <laughs> a, yeah there's so there's so many subtle little things going on uh, if you use it with a humming exhale too every now and then like i don't do a lot of humming exhales but there's a lot of benefits to it. So I start sometimes with just three uh, and then I go right into the normal slow breathing, but that's a, it's a really nice one with that. Another thing about that app that was super subtle and it was before I used headphones, which is the reason I appreciated it so much is there's a very subtle pause between the, the inhale and exhale and the exhale and inhale. And a lot of breathing apps don't get that right because they just have the tones you know, it's like, I, I'm guessing it's an algorithm that just gets the tone to the second and then the tone immediately or inhale, exhale, inhale. And naturally when you're breathing, there's just this slight pause and they seem to nail that. I actually asked Eddie about it. He said that was a very conscious decision mm. to incorporate that pause. And I was like, beautiful, because that was the thing I noticed most using it. Um, so anyways, that's, that's, so yeah, that's a great, like you said, no frills, just push the button and start. So that's cool that you use that one. Uh, really neat. Breath work too, though. I don't want to, because they have so many cool things you should. Yeah. Anyways, they're, yeah, they're both awesome. So <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, listen, mate, this was a, a real pleasure. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just a genuinely a fan of your work. So just keep doing what you're doing, mate, because you're, you're definitely, I think you're definitely having a huge impact on, on, on a lot of people. So um, thank you for that. And, and thank you, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. Please <laughs> let me know about the headphones. I'm yeah, really excited yeah, to see if you notice. <laughs> we seem to have a lot in common, so I bet you'll yeah, like it. Yeah, I'll let you know. Um, right, cool. Okay, so man, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you again. I, I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And um, hopefully I'll see you someday in person. We'll go for yeah, a walk let's together. Hope. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> perfect. Yeah. All right, mate. Listen, enjoy All the rest right. of your day. Yeah, you too. See ya. I just want to say thank you again to Nick for finding the time to come on the podcast. I really loved getting the opportunity to chat to him and I hope it's just the first of many conversations in the future. If you find this podcast beneficial, you can support its production by becoming a member on Patreon at the Breathwork Club for a small monthly donation. As a thank you, Patreon members get access to additional breathwork practices and content, 
your support would be hugely appreciated. You can also find us at thebreathworkclub.ae where you can get info on upcoming classes, trainings and retreats. And you can also get in touch if you ever have any kind of questions. So thank you again for listening. Happy breathing.